Today on Abounding Grace from Ed Taylor. Jesus didn't come and declare a new religion. Jesus didn't come and declare a new philosophy. Jesus didn't come and declare a new way of life. He came and declared life. He came as life. And the problem that we have is that it's easy to turn a relationship into a religious experience. And religion has a way of choking out the life that Jesus promises you right here in the beginning. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Well, make your way over to John chapter 1 and join us for Abounding Grace. It's interesting to observe the picture John paints of the Messiah. Right from the outset, he makes it clear Jesus is God, the Eternal One, who came into the world as the true light to offer life to as many as would receive Him. And it's a message the world today desperately needs to hear and receive. Now, today and tomorrow, we'll set our sights on the first two verses of chapter 1. Let's find our place there now as we hand things over to Pastor Ed Taylor. We haven't even started at chapter 1, verse 1 yet, have we? And we're not going to start there right away here either. I want you to go back to chapter 20, and let's be reminded why John wrote the Gospel of John. John wrote the book of Revelation. John wrote 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Those are the books at the end of the New Testament. They say John and have a number before them. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Those are known as letters, and John wrote those as well. John also wrote this gospel, and he was one of those guys that loved to, to give you a road map. He did that in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, he said, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things that are written in it for the time is near. He says, it's a blessing to be in the word and it's a blessing in Revelation to read it, to hear it, to do it. Well, in John's gospel, he also said, here's the blessing of reading the gospel of John. This gospel, we learned last time, this is our second study, so you, it's not too late to catch up. On the first study we did last time, we introduced you to, the, to John, who he is, and saw how God's using him and how God can use you. Uh, and we walked through that together. Here in John chapter 20, John says, here's what's going to happen when you read my gospel, the good news. There's four gospels, remember? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The first three are known as synoptic gospels because they basically give a synopsis of the same time period in Jesus' life. John is a different gospel. While it does focus on the life of Jesus, it only covers a few days, you know, seven or eight days of Jesus' life. And it gives us from a perspective. And so here, there are two things. If you're taking notes, there are two reasons and two benefits and two big blessings for those that read the Gospel of John. So pick up with me in verse 30 of John 20. It says, Truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, verse 31. But these are written, number one, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. 
That's John's desire, number one, is that when you read the Gospel of John, that you believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Savior. He's your Savior. That Jesus, the Son of God, was sent in human flesh for you to have your sins forgiven and be brought into a right relationship with your Creator. As you're reading the Gospel of John, that's where we're headed. That's the destination. That's where we're going to end up. Many of you are going to end up there at different stages But the reason why we're in John and the reason why John exists is so you might believe. That you would believe in Jesus. Now, it's interesting because here in verse 31, you see that Jesus is the Christ. Do you see that phrase? Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. When you see Jesus referenced throughout the Bible, you'll see him referenced different ways. So on some occasions, you will see Jesus referenced as Lord. You'll, hear, you'll see people say to him, Lord, and, and live their lives as Jesus is Lord. At other times, you'll see Jesus referred to as Jesus. And you'll, you'll see his name out there like he is here, that Jesus is the Christ. He's referred to as Jesus' name. And other times, you'll see him referred to as the Christ. On some occasions, over 150 times, do you know that Jesus is referred to as Lord Jesus Christ. And folks have made a mistake in thinking that Lord Jesus Christ, well, Lord is his first name, Jesus is his middle name, and Christ is his last name. And it's natural, even just here seeing him as Jesus Christ, many will think, well, Jesus is his first name, and Christ must be his last name, but not so. For those of you that are taking notes, Lord is his title. To be the position of Lord in your life, when you see Jesus referred to as Lord, that's a title. That he's Lord and worthy of our full submission. He's the Lord of our life. When he's referred to as Jesus, that's his name. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Peter said this. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name in all of heaven for people to call on to save them. There's no other name under heaven by which man must be saved, Peter would say in another translation. Jesus is his name. Christ is his mission. He's Savior. So he comes as Savior. He comes as Savior so you would know him as Jesus and serve him as Lord. So those, that's not his full name. His name is Jesus. He's the son of Joseph. That would be his full name in the Hebrew. He's Jesus bar Joseph. He's the son of Joseph. But truly, we don't, he does, John's not going to introduce him as the son of Joseph. He introduced him as what? The son of God. God in human flesh. So number one, that you would believe. You would believe in him. You would be saved. Now some of you are thinking, well, wait a minute. I already do believe in Jesus. What's the benefit of the gospel of John for me? Well, the benefit of the gospel of John for you is the same, but even better. Because what will happen is your belief will grow and broaden. It will go deeper and wider and higher. And and your your life will, there will be areas in your life that you're going to recognize as we study through the gospel of John that you don't believe in him. You don't trust him. And God is going to reveal himself in such a special way. You're like, man, Lord, that's amazing. As we walk along with Jesus, you're just going to be so blown away. And your faith and your belief in him is going to grow. But the second reason is right there in verse 31. Not only that you would believe, but secondly, that believing you may have life in his name. And I believe that's a twofold reference of life, zoe. Not only life in salvation being saved, but that you would have a, an abundance of aid, you would have a blessing of life, not just eternally, 
but on the earth. That you have life then and you have life now. You have life now and you have a life of hope then, eternally, that believing... Jesus, John wants you and I and everyone that would hear and read and study this book to believe and have life. And that more abundantly, Jesus would say in John chapter 10, verse 10. But these are words, I don't know if you noticed, but these are words of relationship. Jesus didn't come and declare a new religion. Jesus didn't come and declare a new philosophy. Jesus didn't come and declare a new way of life. He came and declared life. He came as life. And the problem that we have is that it's easy to turn a relationship into a religious experience. And religion has a way of choking out the life that Jesus promises you right here in the beginning. Religion, the word, if you look up its origin, has the picture of many of its definitions, has a picture of binding up. Or you could even say choking out. And if you use that picture of binding up and choking out, what Jesus is calling you to is not religion, but life, relationship. John wants you to know Jesus, not just know about him. He wants you to know. He wants us to know that Jesus is alive and worthy of our full commitment. He's not calling us, neither am I, calling us into a life of rules and regulations and traditions and rituals. How careful we need to be that we don't become religious. You know, we, the world, the, the, the vocabulary of the world, the Webster's Dictionary, you will hear people use the word religion. You'll, you'll hear somebody describe somebody going, you know, that guy does that religiously. Have you ever heard that? They're not talking about church or God or anything. They're talking about the the mindless repetition and habit of somebody doing something. They do it religiously. It means they do it all the time, when they do it, regularly, religiously. It has meaning. And unfortunately, the reason is, is because there have been many misrepresentations of what it means to follow Jesus. And one of them has been religion. And I want you to be careful because we're not immune to that, you and I. So, oh, you know, we're in a church that emphasizes religions, our relationships, so religion, we don't really need to worry about that. No, no, no. It's a human condition, and you and I, it doesn't matter what church we go to, can become very religious when it comes to the things of God. We have to be careful, too. Uh, let me give you an example, just to give you up ahead. We are working on a project where we're going to change the back of the stage. We're going to do some remodeling, and we're going to change the back of the stage and the screens and everything, and we're going to remove all of this, including the cross, and this is going to become one big screen. And you're like, what? You're removing the cross? You're removing the cross? Oh, no, what's happened to this church? I, the first thing I look at when I come into the building is that cross. You better not move that cross. I'm going to send you an email. Okay. I'm fine. Send me an email. You know what? Let me give you the email address of everyone that wants to talk about removing the cross. I want you to send the email to Ian. I A N. At calvaryaurora.org. Send him as many emails as you want. But you know, even something on the back of the stage has become a religious expression for you. We're not abandoning the cross. We're not abandoning Jesus. We're not turning our back on the blood of Jesus Christ. We're not leaving the grace of God. We're not going to stop teaching the Bible verse by verse. We're not going to start having, stop having heartfelt worship. We're changing the stage. But that little change might interrupt some of you that have had a religious experience with this stage. And you think, well, that's just a big deal. That's a big deal. You know, there were times in our church 
where we didn't have a cross on the stage. Did you know that right here? We, there were years we didn't have anything back here. And then we're like, okay, we saved enough, and we had a brother in the church that did a great job and helped us put all this together and put it all, worked very, very hard, and it's been something wonderful. What we're going to do is we're going to project a cross on there, and we're going to be able to project all kinds of things up there and use it in a whole different way, but we're, we're not abandoning the cross, but it can become religious. You know, well, we're going to change the carpet. Oh, no, I love the carpets. It's been here from the beginning. You know, we met seven years in the school. We didn't have a cross there either. You know why? Because the school wouldn't let us remodel the room. They told us, come and use it, but whatever you do, make sure it looks the same way it did before you guys came in. And so for all those years, but were we still a church? Sure. I mean, what if one day something happened, we don't have this building, we don't have this room, can we still be a church? I think so. But you see, religion and religious expression and, you know, habits and rituals can easily, well, if you're not careful, we can get upset about the wrong things. We can use all of our energy to get upset about things that don't really matter. Like the cross of Jesus Christ, if you were to go with us to Jerusalem, it's not there. It's gone. They took Jesus down off the cross. They buried him in a tomb. They put, him, uh, put a stone in front of it, sealed it. Three days later, he rose again. Jesus isn't in the tomb either. He ascended into heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And if you will confess your sins today and place your faith in Jesus Christ, he'll save you. That's the essence of why we gather together. And we may use different things and technology and things change, but we just need to roll with the punches and not become religious. And I'm sure there's other things that you could look at and go, well, this is what we always do, and this is how we always do it. And I just say this, be careful that the things that you and I do in the name of Jesus doesn't get in the way of our relationship with Jesus. So vital, church. And it's just the little things that can trip us up. And yet at the same time, in Jesus' day... Religion was king. They had moved, they had transitioned this relationship with God into something that was impersonal and not growing. And religion is all about man wanting to bring God down to our level. And religion is not what Christianity is all about. It's not. Jesus did not come to proclaim a new religion. He came to proclaim liberty to the captives. He came to set you free. To free you up to live a life clean, free of all the hindrances that would tear you down and you could be right with your God, not only now but for all of eternity, to give you a hope, to forgive you of your sins, to empower you and fill you with the Holy Spirit, to send the Holy Spirit upon you so you might be used in a great way, not religion, not religion. You lose out when you settle for religion. We don't come to God through elaborate codes, of, elaborate codes and elaborate rituals and elaborate rules and special priests in a special way. And we come to Jesus directly by faith, by faith. Relationship always begins vertically. That's what the Bible teaches. Jesus would tell us, and he will, we'll learn, that we're to love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and mind. That's a vertical relationship with God. That's where it starts. For example, in some of the relationships in your life right now that might be strained, maybe friendships that are strained or family situations that are strained or someone at work or a friend, just strained relationships. The steps to resolve the conflict do not begin horizontally. They begin vertically. They begin with you and your personal relationship with God. Are you loving the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind? That's where it starts. 
we often make the mistake of going out horizontally and trying to solve everything and run. And, and, and it's not going to work unless you're right with the Lord personally. So that when you're loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind vertically, that empowers you and I to then work on our relationships horizontally, waiting for God. See, once we're right with him, then we need to learn how to wait on God for him to work things out of things that we have no control over. Learning how to wait on him, to trust him, that he will bring it to pass. And all the while, while we're waiting, we're right with the Lord. We are at peace with God. Our hearts are clean before him. There's no root of bitterness. No stumbling block. Why? Because we've worked vertically. We've sought the Lord vertically. And he's helping us in our horizontal relationship. See, relationship is different than religion because God initiates relationship. The Bible says that he, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he acted and sent his son to rescue us. So relationship was initiated by God. It's freedom from sin and condemnation. It's freedom to have and enjoy a life to be used mightily by God. And I invite you into this relationship. I invite you back into this relationship so that you're not stumbled by religion and religious expression. And you have the fullness of what God has promised you. The fullness of what is yours. That doesn't come from a church It doesn't come from a pastor. It doesn't come from a priest or a religion. It doesn't come from a movement. Your relationship and the vibrancy of life comes from God himself. The resurrected Jesus Christ, the power that was in him, is available to you by relationship. And that's what we seek. We don't seek religion. Now, turn over to John chapter 1 with that in mind. Before we jump into the very basic introduction to Jesus, I want to introduce you to three other groups of people, really four, but we're going to combine. Because we're going to know and we're going to see these people throughout our study in the Gospel of John and as we cross-reference with other passages of Scripture, that I want to introduce you to them so that you know who they are and you'll know who they are ahead of time. These were those that were always an enemy of the work of God, this fresh work of God. There are three groups. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. And we'll combine the scribes also with a group known as the lawyers. Don't think of lawyers or attorneys as you do today. Think of them more um, scribal, where they're very meticulously, they're not arguing cases as much as they're very married, meticulously um, standing for the righteousness of God's word. So when you think of that word, think of scribes and lawyers together. Now, a scribe was someone, so let's start with the scribes. A scribe was someone who was very, very diligent in retaining and preserving the word of God. And as they would copy it, and as they would write down things and interpret it, they would want to be very, very careful. So the scribes, you'll find, were very threatened by the ministry of Jesus. They were very threatened by this man who said, who was emphasizing relationship over religion. The Pharisees, the Pharisees would be considered today a very conservative group of men who love the word of God. And, and then with that description, I think we all would want to be in that category. Conservative in our, we're not adding to the word of God, we're allowing it to speak, that's how the Pharisees were. They started out so well as they were gathering together and said, look, we want to preserve the word of God, we want to be careful with it, we want to be careful with the interpretation and with the instruction, and that's how they started. Unfortunately, their conservative view of the word also led them to become very legalistic. 
And instead of just allowing the word to speak for itself where they started, they added a bunch of rules and regulations to the word of God. Very meticulous. uh, How you could wash your hands and how you should wash your hands. And so much so that Jesus came and rebuked them. And we'll see. He rebuked them in Matthew's gospel and he told them that you guys need to stop teaching um, as God's word the doctrines of man. And that's what they became. They started out well, but they were an enemy of Jesus. They didn't like relationship over religion. The third group of people that you're going to find are known as the Sadducees. The Sadducees. And you can look them up for the spelling later. Sadducees. This would be more of a liberal group of people. They only believed in the first five books of the Old Testament, which is commonly known today as the Torah. They only believed that that was the inspired book and that's what they followed. And they also did not believe in anything supernatural. They didn't believe in the miracle, that God could do miracles. And the, the thing that they most were against is they didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why we don't find them in the Gospel of John, but they were great enemies of the church in the book of Acts. But they were around during the time of Jesus. And they were around when you see the phrase religious rulers. Many times they're all grouped together because they were always together. So the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They had no hope of heaven. They kind of lived their life with the philosophy of, hey, let's eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. And if we die, there's nothing after that. And now you can understand how they got their name. They were sad, you see. (laughs) Best response of all services. Thank you very much. (laughs) Other people want to throw things at me, but you give me any kind of laugh, I'll keep it up. The Sadducees, that's how you remember them. They know supernatural. And so we'll be seeing them in our journey over time. Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Thanks for taking part in today's Bible study. To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, today we'd like to spotlight the various social media sites that we're on. So where can folks find us? And can you give us an idea of the sort of things you post each day? You know, Larry, we have made a big commitment to communicate the gospel outside the four walls of this church, and social media plays a huge role in that. So I'd encourage you, the best place to connect with us on all our social media platforms is through our app. We have a page dedicated to it, or through our website. Our website is calvaryco, that stands for Colorado, calvaryco.church calvaryco.church, or put my name, Ed Taylor, in the search bar of your Apple App Store or the Android Play, Google Play Store, whatever that is, uh, and put my name in there, download our app, and we have a page dedicated to connect with us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, I know that there's some talk about developing a TikTok channel. Uh, We have my personal, my personal Facebook page, we have the church Facebook page, and all you pastors out there, no matter where you are, around the country, Colorado, wherever you are, we have a new pastor's community page and a new pastor's community that's open to pastors, assistant pastors, elders, men you're raising up in the ministry, and we invite you to be a part of this community. Uh, we are having regular breakfast here in Colorado that I think one day we can do regionally, and little host churches. We also have a big conference 
that we do every October here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. And listen, you should fly out here, come to the conference, and go skiing afterwards. Go on a little vacation. This is Colorado. It's amazing. It's an amazing place to be. Uh, you, you don't need to worry about, you know, um, the World Series or anything. The Rockies probably won't be in the World Series, but you can come on out and enjoy Colorado. We have that conference in October. So so with social media, we're on all major platforms. Um, I've got a podcast. We have we podcast our studies. I also have a leadership podcast. So the best way to get a hold of us, download the app. It is they, they work so hard on getting all the information available to you. Go to our website, calvaryco.church, and we'd love to connect with you. And amazingly, the pictures, uh, the, the scriptures, the invites, the reminders, they're all good, and it's a safe place. Our social media pages are safe for you and your kids to be encouraged in the Lord. If you drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com, you'll notice links to all of the social media platforms that we're on, making it easy for you to follow. What comes to mind when I mention the prophet Elijah? Perhaps you think of a man who walked closely with God and did amazing miracles. Well, that is true. But maybe you didn't realize Elijah, like many of us, struggled with fear, doubt, and even depression. In this book, you'll read about the life of Elijah and how God's faithfulness brought him out from under the broom tree of despair. He can do the same for you. We'll gladly send you a copy of Struggling Under the Broom Tree when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. More about Jesus, the Eternal One, coming up next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.